Hello everyone and welcome back. It's the full 40. It's Chris and Rob is back. We're back. Rob is back. I'm He's excited. Here. He's in the flesh. I get to look at him. It's wonderful. And we're back. And happy new year. Happy new year to you as well. It's 2019 it's and Villanova is 2-0 and in the year 2019. And we are looking just like the team from last year. Yeah. It's totally basically like the same thing. Yeah. 100%. You know, I, I will say, when we started the podcast last year, we started off 2018, we started off the new year pretty rough, actually. So, things are looking up, clearly. It's an improvement. Yes. This team is, I think this team is better, this team is better than last year. Boom. You heard it here first. You heard it here first? Yep. There we are. Yeah. So, just to be clear, the team is definitely not better. And Definitely not. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, just to be clear, <laughs> and this is about as shaky of a two and zero start as you can ask for. But it is two and zero. At the end of the day, I we've got I two wins, zero losses. Yeah, Fuck. I think that's the highlight. Is we're all of a sudden on a little three game mini win streak. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, we had the whole holidays off. We did. Yeah. Yes, we said that the practice time might be helpful. We got to the DePaul game, and it looked like the rust was very much on the team from yeah. not playing in like. A week and a half. Not a great start. No, not a great start. Um, the defense looked like they couldn't guard a goalpost. Really, really well, rough. Well, I mean, I mean, let's let's call it what it is. DePaul is is a top ten team <laughs> in the NCAA. I mean, a, when you when you match up against that firepower, the Struce trying to get loose. The Struce was loose. He was loose ish. No, he was pretty. He was pretty freaking loose. He was he was loose. Eli Kane. Was yeah, all of a sudden hitting threes. He was hitting threes. Yeah, that slowed down though. Yeah. So look, we got we got past the Paul at home. We did. Rob went to that game, and we'll come back to that later on in the podcast. And then we went on the road to the Dunk versus Providence. I actually candidly thought we were going to lose the game. Oh we didn't God. lose the game, and for a long time during the game, I thought, oh my goodness, this team looks pretty good. And yeah, equally, Providence looked really fucking bad, and then. The end of that game happened, and it was an absolute shit show for the last, like, 20% of that game. But a win is a win is a win, nonetheless. And so here we are. We're sitting 2-0, and and we're 11-4, and and we're going to go from here now. Now we're just going to... That's right. We're going to figure this out. We're going to figure it out. So we have the two games. I don't think we need to break it down necessarily game by game. What were, like, some of your big takeaways that you saw from those couple games? Well, I think I said one from the get-go was that the DePaul game started off, and I remember it was like nine and a half minutes into the game, and they had already scored 30 points. Yeah. And it was like our offense looked okay-ish. wasn't, like, great, but, like, our offense looked kind of like our offense has looked <laughs> this entire season, which kind yeah. of started to stop. And I was like, well, you can't really blame the offense in this – point yeah. where your defense is on the path to give up like uh, 120 points yeah now we got our shit in line some by and large and we tightened the screws defensively and we jay did a nice job throwing a couple different defensive looks at them with like a little pepper and a little bit of zone yeah and a couple other things that helped us kind of like slow them down and then they got kind of discombobulated and couldn't hold the lead 
I, I felt like Jay called a pretty good game uh, against DePaul and helped us get back into it. I also think that we upped our intensity level. Like, we got yeah. punched in the mouth to start that game. Absolutely. And we upped our intensity level quite a bit and then slowly and methodically took over that game. We were never able to, like, break the game open no. either. So it was kind of like a frustrating game because it's just like, oh, we got to a point where we were ahead and then... We just couldn't close them out. It's like our annual tight game against DePaul in the Pavilion. It seems like that happens all the time. Real, like, really weird. I mean, look, as I was sitting there watching it, obviously it was frustrating to start. And it very well could have been one of those situations, especially with this team this year, where they could have taken that punch and just been like, yeah, we're down 15. We don't even look like we're in this. And that could have been it. So... In my mind, a lot of credit to the guys, a lot of credit to Jay for fighting back there. I love to see that comeback. That was awesome. Yeah. Today was obviously the opposite, but... Right. Know. Well, that was the silver lining on the DePaul game is like, okay, fine. You're off for 10 days. Understandable rust. Yeah. Right? I did think that the practice time would be helpful, and I think we come back to that later. Because we, Rob and I, before we started the podcast, were talking about how we're starting to see glimpses of the direction that this team's going in. Yeah. So we think that there's some hope down the line. Yep. But I want to come back to that. There was it was very rusty to start that game, and and it was good to see that these guys were able to fight through and get a win against a game DePaul unit. Yeah, DePaul's not bad this year. No, they're not bad. They're not yeah. like they're not like the DePauls of last year. Absolutely. It seems like all of their players have been on the team for like at least six or seven years. <laughs> yeah, by now. yeah, I think so. And and so it's a veteran lineup yep. that has won some good games and played some and played some pretty good teams pretty yeah. close in their out of conference Absolutely. season. And if you're a DePaul fan, you would say, okay, like maybe this is the beginning of coming back to maybe not an NCAA tournament team, perennial NCAA yeah. tournament team, but like. At least coming back to some type of relevance. <laughs> Middle of the pack in the Big East. Like, that's as much as DePaul can hope for these yeah, days. Yeah, I would think that that's probably the ceiling on the program at right. this point. Right, yeah, yeah. New arena, new things. I mean, the coach is the coach from before. Dave Lato. Yeah, yeah. Dave Lato was a good, but but he did okay when he was at DePaul he, he did before. A, he did actually pretty well when he was at DePaul before. I was yeah. not well enough not to get fired, but whatever. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm with you on that. Should we talk a little bit about the man, the myth, the legend, JQ. Yes. So JQ, so, in my mind, like, we obviously, we haven't seen each other for a very long time, you and I. So we watched the UConn game separately, which was kind of a JQ coming out party. Yes. Loved it. Was all about it. Yeah. Super involved. He played a pivotal role in the game. Some solid minutes, obviously, as a result of... Uh, Colin's head injury, which, which I know you touched on in the, the yeah, last podcast. Yeah, we touched on the last podcast. Yeah. You didn't hear it. Javon Quinterly hit Colin Pun- Gillespie. Punched him right in the face. Right. And then hit him with a folding chair. That's right. I forgot about in the In the back chair. of the head. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So just to be clear, there's absolutely no <laughs> knowledge <laughs> or... Tr- or uh, I'm not going to say it's not true. I don't know. It might be true. It might be true. Yeah. yeah. You never know. <laughs> you never know. Uh, but yeah, anyway, kind of coming out party there. Then the DePaul game... He looks solidly in the rotation. Yes, and plays plays well. Yeah, plays well. Changed the game when yes. he was in. He was in, and that's the thing with Colin is like. When, I mean, sorry, Colin Javon. When we were in the beginning of the season, and he would come in, and people would call for him more. Yeah, right. It was he didn't look good. Yeah, he looked. He looked totally lost defensively. He actually looked. He's quick. He's typified by being quick. Yeah. 
he didn't look that quick for the game. Yep. Right? It looked like the game was moving a little bit quicker than he was. It looked like he was thinking the game. He was like thinking through the game too much. Yeah. yeah. A little bit like Samuels did last year. Where you see the, like, the, in the, and in kind the of this, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you see the wheels turning, and it's like you can't turn. They can't turn that slow. They got to right. you got you to make decisions. And, and he also looked like he wasn't doing the right things offensively either. He was a net negative, negative on the early court in the season. And there's sure. a lot of people calling for more Javon Quinterly time, and we were one of them. But we were only calling for it because. From an experience perspective, we wanted to see him get more game run. Yeah. Just to, like, work through those kinks. Yeah, we, we were still very clearly like, yeah, we want him to get more run, but he sucks when he's on the court. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Luckily, we've moved beyond that. Yeah, we've now moved beyond that. And what we said is... Actually, the, wait, let me clarify. We've moved, like, way beyond you're that. You're way beyond I think that. you and I are both on the page of now. It's like, I want him on the court because he changes how we play... In a positive way. A hundred percent. And what we said in the podcast, the, the mini podcast that we did about the Instagram post heard around yes. the world, we said this could be a positive because you air the grievances. It was like a festivist of sorts. <laughs> yeah. It was like yeah. a festivist of sorts. You air the grievance and then all of a sudden now it's on the table and everyone can see and then you can heal. Yeah. Right by bottling it all up and having it whatever it was doing no good for anybody. People were speculating. It's just not like good energy around the program. Totally. The one thing I can say is that since the Kansas game and since that whole thing was handled, the energy around the program has felt better. And you haven't heard drama. There's not like this every other day Twitter drama thing going on instagram drama thing like people don't feel like they have to come to defense of people and yeah. like take sides that none of that that seems to have evaporated and i feel like it's really good totally. for the future prospects of this particular unit no i like that a lot uh, um I, that said I, I will say so like i was so high on him and so high on jq and thought we totally turned the corner and then you get into a game like today and i i fully expected i'm like okay this is great JQ is in the rotation. He's going to be playing 15, 20 minutes a game. Come in, shake it up. I haven't seen the minute allocation quite yet. The numbers haven't come out yet. But he didn't play all that much. No, he didn't play much at all. And especially the entire the last 10 minutes of the game, oh, he didn't play at all yeah. when we needed him. Jay Wright, in my opinion, in the last 40 minutes of basketball that we've played, had called good 60 minutes of basketball. The first 10 minutes of the Paul game were atrocious, and the last 10 minutes of the Providence game were absolutely abysmal. Yeah. And I blame Jay more than anyone else on on that. Specifically, especially the last 10 minutes of this Providence game, and I think we should just turn to the Providence game now, yeah. is the last 10 minutes of that game, I, I don't know what we were doing by not, like, we had 20-point lead. The, the lead goes all the way down to four. <laughs> yeah. Unanswered. Yeah. By and large, unanswered. If you want to see a funny chart, go on ESPN. It was on our Twitter account and Instagram. Oh, yeah, yeah. I put it, on, it yeah. I put it on Insta and I put it on Twitter. The sh- the the game flow chart. Freaking hilarious. We level off for eight straight minutes. I was actually going to be super impressed. I was like, wow, if we actually, I kind of wanted it to happen a little bit to be like, wow, we actually didn't score for the last nine minutes of the game and still won. So we we did get. I think it was five points or something like that. We but basically, won. we would have won. Yeah. We would have won by one. <laughs> Which is nuts. It's a weird-looking chart, and a chart that should not exist. Yeah, we played... I felt we played terrific, and equally, I feel like Providence played horribly. <laughs> if were, I was a Providence holy fan... Holy shit, they were a I, dumpster fire. If I was a Providence fan, the first, like, 
25 tw- no sorry first 20 minutes of that game the first half of that game i would have been absolutely miserable they started to boo the team yes they couldn't throw the ball in the ocean couldn't hit a free throw they looked totally like it looked like one of those games where it, it was a it looked like a noon game where the noon game where you like sometimes you get a team that starts out slow yeah, because yeah. it's noon and people aren't fully woken up yet it looked like that they looked so bad but we looked part of that was us we did a nice job on them defensively. We were just making them shoot the three, and they couldn't hit the broad side of the barn. And then we were, and then we were sending them to the line, which we're getting to the referees oh in the God, second half yeah. of the podcast, and they couldn't hit a free throw. But we did a nice job scoring the basketball, sharing the ball, getting other people involved, all the way up until ten minutes left in the game, and then it just went back to hero ball, burn offense. Yeah. With like trying not to, it was like prevent defense essentially, but in offense. It was really and, like, weird. Try not to lose the game, and everything has to go through Phil, and Colin has to be on the court and the primary ball handler, and you just JQ is just sitting on the freaking bench, and it's like, just like oh. we needed a game, we need a game breaker play moment somewhere no. during that stretch. So I mean, even I, if you get, even if you, I, I, it sounds crazy, you score two points in the middle of that. Totally changes it. Totally changes the entire complexion of that run. Because then you stem the run, then you feel like there's a momentum shift and a punch back. Yeah. We just let them walk all over us. Jay called no timeouts. He called no timeouts, seven turnovers. It was a disaster. We couldn't get the ball and even the turn, it, even the game, even the points where we didn't turn the ball over, it was like a freaking adventure. Yeah. To get the ball over, so I mean, every time that happens, the crowd gets more and more into it. The weight of the situation gets that much heavier, and it's just why not put an adept ball handler and a guy who can quick and beat guys off the bounce like Javon Quinterly in the game for like a few minutes, just to even for no other reason other than to give Colin Gillespie a fucking break. Yeah. I mean, look, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Yeah. That's basically what it was. Yeah. You know, you give him a pass, you give Jay a pass for a few minutes, and then you're like, all right, like, literally change something, change anything about this. I mean, look, we survived, but I think you and I agree there was that was not not optimal coaching down the street. Well, we were watching the game together, and our good friend of the pod, Sandro, who's been on the podcast before, was sitting with us. And as the game ended, he said, I have a feeling that neither team is particularly happy with this game. Yeah. Uh, yeah I don't think – well, Providence certainly can't be. Yeah. Um, they lost a the game at home that in the last 10 minutes of that game, we played terrible enough that they could could have and should have won. And if they played with any sort of any sort of like skill in the first 20 minutes of that game, they would have blown sure. us out. For sure. Yeah. Right? So kind of a weird – obviously a weird end to that game. The the other thing – I mean, looking for some of the other positives coming out of that game, the one thing I loved seeing today was Cole Swider. Yeah. Quick release, confident stroke, looked real good. Basically, he looked like what I thought he was going to look like coming in, right? He was this super highly touted recruit. He was actually, from a recruiting numbers perspective, was actually not that far off of Quinterly. Right. Like, Quinterly gets all the gets all the hoopla, but I think there was like 10 or 15 spots separating them in terms of the, the actual rankings. He was known as this knockdown shooter, and his shot's been super shaky to start the year. This is the first game where I'm like, oh, yeah, he's playing with a ton of confidence, and he's actually a really nice addition to the team. Played with a ton of hustle, like, caused a couple jump balls. Like, I loved everything I saw from him, and I would love to see him 
continue to get worked in and keep that shot going. Like yeah. the quick release you mentioned is spot on. Like we don't have that many guys on the team this year who are ready to just let it fly like we did last year. So yeah. having that who's like, yeah, I'm confident even if the shot's not going in, I'm gonna keep shooting. Yeah. Like, love that. He was looking, hunting for his shot. Yeah. And it got to a point where Providence had to adjust its yes. defense. Yeah. Because they were nervous that he was going to get the ball and fire it up. Yeah, he was hot. Yeah, he was hot. He was on fire, and Jay was trying to go to him. There was definitely some plays. In the beginning of the drought, there were some plays in there that I didn't think were bad plays or particularly bad sequences. This didn't go down, or we didn't score. But, like, I thought that we looked pretty good in trying to get the ball with a hot hand. Yeah. And then, and then it fell apart from there. But to your point... Swire looked terrific. And I want to go back, though, to the DePaul game. Swire gets a DNP. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, DNP coach's decision. Yeah, very, like, very strange. Same as Samuels. And Jay explained in the DePaul post game, he said, well, we wanted to run at them small because they're a little bit bigger. So we wanted to, we thought that was to our advantage. And that didn't work. And we got a little bit bigger. And then that worked for a little bit. Then we got smaller again with Quinterly. I, I understand that, Jay, and I understand that as a coach, you have to mix and match the personnel that you have to best your opponent, to yeah. create the best matchup that you can possibly create. That being said, it's not like we ever, like, last year or the past couple of years, and I understand we're playing, we're the, best, we're the best team in the country, basically, and we can do kind of what we want. But there's still, like, assertion of will that yeah. I feel like we should have. It's just like, no, there's a style in which we play. We have nine men in the rotation. Yeah. Like and not to say that every player has to have the same minute allocation. Sure. But the minute allocation can't be fucking zero. Yeah, it's really strange. And it, the the interesting thing is too, like Swider is actually a a really interesting player. Like when his shots falling, he's obviously deadly from three. He actually has a decent handle too. It's whenever he gets the ball, I actually feel generally pretty confident about what he's gonna do with it. Today he actually he dribbled into I think he dribbled into a corner one time and kind of got caught with it and it was a jump ball or whatever. So not a great example, but he's like a pretty skilled player. So I'm with you. I don't want to see him go from like what we could absolutely happen next game is yes, why did this great game ten points and he won't play? Yeah. Like what? And then and then Samuels brings great energy and that first ten minutes of the Paul game. Hello, put Quinterly in. Hello, put Samuels in. You're trying to get your energy up. Yeah. These guys are going to come up the bench and play like their hair's on fire. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Samuels is very efficient in the fouling, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but fine, you got, this is the thing with the team. And I, thought we, I think actually today kind of proved out a little bit is that we were in foul trouble the entire game. Yeah. And we have a deep enough team that we can absorb some of that. Unlike last year's team, which you were basically playing with six guys plus a couple of other subs yeah. that would come in and provide decent, nice minutes um, towards the back end of the year. I mean, yeah. we had some injuries, etc. We were able to handle that and work through it. But that's that's that, that's what we can afford when you have guys who have like your rotation can go as far as seven adept players you can get big minutes out of. Yeah, and then you have a couple other guys who you can rely on. Yeah. It, it's uh, yeah I don't know I'm I'm struggling with it because it's and you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier. Each game uh, over the past I would say over the past five games, each game I like start to see one more thing start to come together. Right. Like, like I so see I see Quinterly. I'm like ah yes you're getting it great. Yeah. I see Swider. Ah yes this is what I can expect from a Swider when he's on. Similarly a few ga- a few games ago before the before the holiday. You saw uh, Samuels turn it on. Samuels right. had a big week. Right, exactly. 
And so I, I start to think about it. I'm like, okay, great. If all these things come together at the same time, the ceiling on this team gets a lot higher. The issue, and it makes me excited that we're starting to see all of them come together. The issue is they don't all seem to be coming together at the same time. And a part of the reason for that could be exactly what you're mentioning, that like some people just aren't getting a chance yeah. on a consistent basis right. either. I think that leads to a good point. Is Some people aren't getting a chance that they might should get. And I think some people are getting a little too much burn. Candidly, right now, I just don't see what Cremo brings to the table. I'm struggling with it, yeah. 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 Like, uh, he's a good three-point shooter. I see that. But he doesn't have, like, a particularly quick release. And he doesn't actually shoot that much. Right. And I'm not trying to make the kid a pariah. He's clearly worked hard. Yeah, there was yeah. a couple – some really good hustle plays today. Like, he works his ass off. I think he's blended in with his unit, like, pretty well. Yeah. And, like, again, I'm not – I'm kind of discounting the impact of the mask um, mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. the first half of the year. But, like, man, he's got to bring something else to the table. Because yeah. right now the scout on him is just 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 drape all over him. When he's on the three-point line, don't let him get a shot off, and he can't create anything. Yeah. And, he yeah, that's the thing. is like I just want him to be more aggressive to net bring something to the table. Because I don't feel like he is all that much at this point. Right. Which and is- so clearly he's proving himself in practice because Jay swapped him into the starting lineup over Bay. That's true. Yeah. But I don't like that at all. Yeah. I want Bay back in the starting lineup. I think Bay. I mean, look, we're a big Sadiq Bay apologist here. I think he had, what did he have, 45 in the UConn game? And I think yeah. he had 35 in the yeah, DePaul yeah, game. Yeah, so, Sadiq yeah. Bay yeah, is yeah. basically right now pretty much the college equivalent of James Harden. I think that's right. Can, yeah. l- l- should we pause for a moment? We haven't done this in a little bit. We should do a little Hey Bay Bay. Yeah. Hey Bay Bay. Hey Bay Bay. How are you feeling, Net? If you had a rank. From like I'm mad at Jay Wright. You're that's, mad at that, Jay Wright because you, you need more Bay. I need more Bay. I need more Bay in my life. Yes, I and I want Bay to fucking start. I want Bay in the starting lineup. I like Bay. Yeah. I don't know if our listeners know this. We like Sadiq Bay. We like Sadiq Bay. Yeah, and 100%. the reason why, and I think this proves over the last couple of games, is that Sadiq Bay in the starting lineup looks clear. He looks clued in. He looks like he's big part of the rotation. When you sub him in, he still brings great energy. He's still, like, good. He's still with it. It's not like he's, like, clueless. He's not, like, one of those guys who needs to start to play well. Right. But a little bit, a little bit, he looked better when he was in the starting lineup. I agree. Bay is interesting. What I like about Bay is I think Bay knows what he does well, and he knows what his limitations are, too. Yeah. And he plays within those. Yes. Which is really cool. Like, He's also, at the same time, he's not afraid to shoot the three. He's not actually a great three-point shooter, but he's not afraid to shoot it. It goes down sometimes. It's not a pretty shot, but it goes down. He's not afraid to drive. He's not afraid to work inside. Like, he's a big dude. Right. And And he he can handle the basketball. Yeah. He's got a lot of great things. He knows what to do with it. Put him on the fucking court. Yes. We want some Sadiq Bey. Yes. If we want to run the table in the Big East, Sadiq Bey needs to play 35 minutes a night. I want Bey starting. (laughs) <laughs> that just clicked me. I want Bay to start. I didn't say I want to say I want him 35 minutes. Well, I will go him... so far as to say 35 Oh, no, no. Minutes. What I meant to say is I want him 40 minutes. Oh. All 40. Well played. Sadiq well played. Bay. The full 40. The full 40. Sadiq Bay represents what the full 40 is about. That's right. That's right. Sadiq Bay. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Bay Bay. I also bought... So, I'm really into NBA jerseys now. I buy all these, like random Villanova guys, NBA jerseys. I actually pre-ordered a Chicago Bulls Sadiq Bay jersey because he's going to go in the lottery next year. Here's what I think. I want Sadiq Bay in the starting lineup for, for legitimate reasons is that 
<laughs> yeah, but that's the team, actual basketball This team loss. gets fucking killed on the boards in the last couple games. Absolutely demolished on the boards. Yeah. Like, and if it's not like a clean... Even if sometimes we get the rebound, but it's because it, like, dicked around and it was tipping and there was all this other stuff. Like, unless Pascal is clearly, like, near around the rim and he's jumping up and taking a man rebound... Unreal Eric talent. Pascal is... And we've said this before. But Eric Pascal is a differentiator. He's like a total differentiator when he's on the floor. He's just like a crazy He can play person. at every level. Yeah. There isn't a, there isn't a skill set that he's not like particularly good in. Yeah. He's it's, a good defender. He can shoot the basketball. He can dribble the basketball. He can dunk. He's got good touch around the rim. Probably probably could benefit from a little better touch around the rim. He sometimes misses some like yeah. N1 layups. Yeah, yeah. You can see him get frustrated on but my God, he's like the most athletic thing. He's mo- the most athletic guy I've ever seen. Yes, the combination of power, speed, and jumping ability is unreal. Yeah, a guy that big should not be able to do those things. Yes. With all that being said, I think I think that's what we're starting to see. This piece is starting to come together. I think Jay needs to make some more tweaks. I think Jay needs to like get out of his head that everything needs to run through Phil and Eric yeah. when we're in a tough spot. They're great. Yeah. But like we're going to make them better by involving some of the other guys. Right. There's a here's here's a good corollary, right? Dante DiVincenzo, as much as I loved him, was not the best decision maker and wasn't the best player on last year's team. No. But there were nights when you needed to go to Dante DiVincenzo because you needed that guy who was the change of pace. Right. There's nights where Bridges and Brunson weren't doing everything. Yes. We don't win the title last year if Dante doesn't play the way he does. Right. And you're willing to do that. You need to do that. Let's take a break here. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to take a one-minute pause here from Nova Insider, and then we'll be back in just a minute. Sounds good. Hello everyone, it's Chris from The Full 40 with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. Just want to give a special shout out to our official podcast partner, which is Nova Insider. Check out their website, novainsider1985.com. They got some awesome gear. Also look out, we're going to do a special collaboration with them for a Full 40 podcast t-shirt brought to you by Nova Insider. Look out for them. They got a lot of awesome stuff coming down the pike in the very near future. Stay tuned. It's going to be exciting. And as always, let's go Nova. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. The Full 40 with Chris and Rob brought to you by Nova Insider. And we're back. And Rob actually bought tickets for him and his wife. I did, yeah. And they went to the DePaul game. We did, yeah. So, so finally, one of us has been to the pavilion. Mm-hmm. And Rob, I got to ask you, what are your impressions? So, I will say this: the actual building was was pretty cool. Yeah. Obviously, I think you and I have talked about this. We may have talked about it on the podcast too. We would have loved to see the whole thing blown up, reconstructed, eight thousand seats. It should have been blown up. It should have been blown up. We're not here to debate that, though. Yeah. That said, my impressions on the pavilion was net. It was pretty freaking cool. I won't try to compare it to Allen Fieldhouse, which you and I obviously both loved. Two totally different venues serving two totally different purposes. So we went down on, I guess that was, what was that, Wednesday? Something like that? Last, yeah, it was, was Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. So we went down, Nicole and I went down, got there, 
basically as soon as the doors opened. 8.30 game, which is super late, by the way. Uh, 8.30 game, doors open at 7. We were there, I think, at 7.03. So we just, like, walked around, hung out. The place is beautiful. I loved it. Um, the seats we got, since DePaul is DePaul and the team, our team, not that great this year. We, and it's a break game. And it's a break game. Good point. We were actually able to score some pretty cheap tickets that would actually put us in the lower level, basically at center court. We were, Father Peter was literally two seats in front of us, which I'll get to in just a minute. So they were like pretty primetime seats. So we walk in, we're like, ah, this is awesome. We actually made a point, if you followed us on, on Insta, you saw what our, our trail was prior to the game. We made a little stop at Kelly's, made a little stop at Hope's. We were chatting with a couple people at Kelly's, and this one other alum, little older alum, came up to us and you know, asked us if we were going. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going. She's like, hey, just so you know, if you don't have tickets in the lower level, you can't go to the lower level concourse. And my first reaction was like, ah, no big. Like, we actually have tickets to the lower level. We're all set. Right. Then I started thinking about it, and I was like, that sucks. Yeah. Like That that's, sounds horrible. That's actually fucking stupid. Right. So let me play it out. Here's how it works. You walk into the pavilion. You walk down the lane. It's beautiful. You're excited. You walk in. All great lighting around. And immediately... <coughs> You're basically greeted by... There's Chris just destroying his house, you guys heard. Um, <laughs> anyway, you're basically greeted by the ushers here who are like, Oh, do you want to go downstairs? Let me see your ticket. And unless your ticket has lower level access, you can't even get into the main concession area. That's insane. It's stupid. It's like such a Villanova thing to do. Like, I, it obviously didn't affect me because we had lower level tickets. But I was like, there's actually no need for that. It's more or less... the Concessions you have to pay for, right? Yes! It's not like you're getting free stuff. There is a free food area for, like, the super premium seats, which we happen to be in. So I did get some free food. Right. Which is fine. Which, I, is, which is great. Totally that's get fine. It. Do that. Do, totally do that. Lux, luxury box it up. And there are people, and there are a second set of ushers checking your wristbands and tickets to get into the free area. I get it. That happens at walk at Wells Fargo. It happens at every professional arena across the country. But the fact that you can't even get downstairs is ludicrous. Did you check out the concessions in the other in the upper deck to see if it was similar or the same? It's it's similar. Don't get me wrong. But the concession area in the in the downstairs, isn't that the one where you go into the back and it's like nice with all like the tables and everything? Yes. It's nice and like So the, the people in the upper deck can't even go and like stand at a table. Yes. That's correct. And so oh my what God. I'm talking about is the lower level is where the the actual floor from the 16 Final Four is, right? That they always show that cool shot of like, oh, this is the center court of the Final Four. So you can't take up like a picture or anything or... No. You can take a picture from above where you're relegated to. It's insanity. And it's such an easy fix. I'm cautiously optimistic that Villanova is going to get enough feedback to be like, yeah, this is dumb as shit. Like... One, we're actually limiting our revenue because we're secluding people up here and like they can't buy more premium stuff down here. And two, it's just unreasonable. And three, there's no need for it. But it really kind of pissed me off. Well, Im- imagine going to like the Wells Fargo Center. Yeah. And saying and, yes. and having upper deck seats and being like, sorry, you can't have the concessions in the lower deck. That is exactly what it was. As if saying you're not you're literally not allowed to set foot in the one hundred level. And, the, and there's different bathrooms, too? There are different bathrooms, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it was the dumbest, 
most Villanova thing I had seen in a while. I was like, fuck so this shit. So c- contrast that. We oh, went to Allen yeah. Fieldhouse. We had upper deck seats. It wasn't upper deck. It was kind of all one deck. Yeah. But like, we had upper level seats. We had the, pretty yes, much the back of the arena. The cheap seats, right? if you will. And yeah. before the game, I was able to freaking walk around the entire court. Yes. Literally walk onto the court. Right. And nobody like, cared. I could have slapped Bill Self in the face. Yes. It was unbelievable. Just an easy thing to solve, a self-inflicted wound. Even if you let the people go down there and they realize that the concessions are relatively the same, now people have this perception that Villanova's just being like a money-grubbing, like yeah. nickel-and-diming type of institution. Absolutely. And you can't go down and see all the cool stuff that's down below and kind of be in like... Jay Wright always used to talk like we're, it's going to be a place that Villanovans can come together and like do all this stuff. And yeah, like right now that's just a bunch of bullshit. Right. Call it what it is. It's absolute bullshit. Yeah. It That's is, not good. It's not good. And and just to be clear, it's not like the only time that you can go upper deck, lower deck is at, is when you enter. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like physically impossible. Correct. No, it's it's actually a super easy solve. There's literally two staircases that go from you basically walk in, you get your ticket scanned. There's more or less, I don't know, call it 20 yards or so between the entrance and the two sets of stairs that go down into the lower concessions. And there are two ushers at the top of those staircases checking tickets. All you need to do, remove those ushers, and you've solved the problem. Right. It's just creating so way it, more It's headache. actually less cost. It is actually less cost, yes. Yeah. It, insanity. So anyway, that's my little rant on that aspect okay. of the pavilion. So. Okay. Okay, so so this is this is like Rob rant time. Yeah, yeah right. Okay, I was I Rob, Rob is Rob is on fire. He didn't get a chance to podcast exactly, last time in exactly. the JD podcast. Rob is on fire right now. If you saw him, there's actually fire coming out of his hair, um, which if you know his hair, you would believe it. Yeah, and okay. evidently I I don't remember half of the the second half of the Kansas podcast. So it's, I basically missed a podcast and a half at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. so here Ralph we are. Was, uh, if you listen to the Kansas podcast, which many of you did. Evidently, a lot of people did. Yeah. Yeah. And you know that Rob was basically doesn't remember being on the podcast. He was that drunk. That said, I had a great time. It had a fun time. <laughs> it had a blast. So anyway, with all that being said. Yeah. The thing that you were really talking about on our Slack thread yeah. that we have during the game was the total lack of energy in the building. Yeah. And so, look, here's where I'm coming from. Both you and I are some of, if not the most, spirited fans. We led cheers back in the day. We cheer when we go to games today. I don't, I'll say this, I don't expect everyone to have that same point of view. And that's totally fine. So, Nicole and I, like I mentioned, were seated in... The lower level, center court, kind of prime time. By the way, if any of you, I just got to like set the stage here. If any of you have like um, DVR or anything and you record this game, Rob is wearing a yellow Lakers jersey yeah. in this game. And like you can see him at many points in time in the game because of where he's seated. Right. So go it, ahead. It's a, and by the way, I will, I will clarify, it's a Josh Hart jersey. Right, right. Which I saw Father Peter, and Nicole and I know, and you know, obviously, Father Peter very well. Um, first of all, he walks up into his seats, and he looks at Nicole and I, and he goes, he just has this disappointed look on his face. He goes, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> you don't belong here. Which, which just classic Father Peter. Absolutely classic. Just, just a little background. 
Father Peter said Rob and Nicole's wedding. Yeah, so yeah. Like, we, Rob, we know, we know Father very well. Father yeah, Peter. yeah. But it was it was hilarious, right? And he's like, he looks at my shirt. He goes, "What is that? What is it? What are you wearing?" And I'm like, I turned around. I was like, it, "It's a Josh Hart jersey." <laughs> Doesn't matter. He was still disgusted. <laughs> I was like, all, "All right, like whatever. I, I can't make you I can't make you happy, Father." Anyway, so yes, if you see me on the DVR, I don't know why you'd actually go back and watch it. You just really want to see my face. But yes, I'm standing up often. In a yellow Josh Hart jersey. Yeah, no, the reason why you go back in DVR is because Rob is imploring fans around him to stand the F up throughout the entire game. Yeah, so so look, and, and this is my big point. I realize where I'm sitting. I realize I'm not in the student section anymore. So people around me aren't going to cheer. No problem. I get that. I sat there. I clapped. I, I yelled occasionally. And I tried to keep kind of my spirits up and keep the energy level up around me. No big deal. Don't expect everyone to join in. My issue was really like when it got to the second half, the team's actually making this great, super exciting comeback. And it took everything of my being to get anyone around me to stand up and cheer. I was turning around. I'm yelling at people. I'm like, on your feet, on your feet. I'm getting nothing. Crickets. Crickets. I'm getting weird looks like, why are you standing up? Why would you be cheering? Like, that's crazy. It just blew my mind. And, and here's here's my issue with it. I get if you're not a big cheering guy. I get if it's a break game and you're actually not the biggest Villanova fan. I totally get that. I've been to plenty of Yankees games. You know I hate baseball. Yeah, Rob I hates baseball. I despise baseball. can't stand baseball. But if I go to a Yankees game and... Who do we have? Aaron Judge hits a home run, a walk-off home run. I'm going to stand up and cheer because, one, that's exciting. Two, the people around me are loving it. And three, it's like an appreciation for what he did. Like, that's a cool thing to be a part of, right? And I look around, all these people just sitting on their asses, not even clapping, not yelling at all, mounting this amazing comeback. And I'm just like, literally, why are you even here? (laughs) Why did you bother to come? Why did you bother to come? I don't expect you to cheer every possession. I expect you to appreciate when something exciting is happening. Like, if you appreciate excitement in sports, you should be cheering right now. Right. Because that's what it boils down to. It was an exciting moment. And something that was, like, probably a pretty big deal to the guys on the court who you're supposed to be supporting, who are, like, busting their ass to make this comeback. Literally just, like, show a little appreciation. Like, you wouldn't go... To a symphony, you wouldn't go to a concert and I'd love be to like, see you at a symphony. <laughs> I've been, a, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah no. play it, go, yeah, <laughs> yeah, louder. Anyway, <laughs> it, my my point is like you wouldn't go to any of these things and not applaud, right? right? You go to a Broadway show, even if you don't love it, you you give it a couple rounds of applause because that's what's appropriate because somebody tried their hardest. If you're not willing to do that. I don't need you there. It drove me up a wall. Yes. Up an absolute wall. And as I know, Rob is very easily driven up a wall. Mm. (laughs) Oh, seriously. Just ask Nicole or you. Yeah, good God. (laughs) But no, I mean, like, I usually don't rant on this this podcast too much. But like this, this drove me nuts. Our fan base is, like, we've, we've made this joke a bunch of times. Yeah. Jay Wright keeps saying, oh, best fans in the country, etc., blah, blah, blah. It's all BS. Our fans aren't good. 
Yeah. It's They're bullshit. not good. We were awesome. We have moments in which we were awesome. I can point to moments in which we were awesome. The 0506 UConn game that we've talked about like in the last pod, in the last several mm. podcasts. Wait, sorry, sorry. Let we me, were amazing during that game. And, and let me interrupt you. The people listening to this podcast are probably good. Are probably good. I'm preaching a bit to the choir here. Right. For sure. But anyway, right. continue. There was um, <clears throat> the 16 Final Four game. Versus Oklahoma and the national championship. Crowd game. was nuts. The crowd that we brought to Houston was insane. Phenomenal. Yes. Yeah. I would also say same, but a little bit more subdued. But also the team was just that good last year versus Kansas and Michigan. Yeah. So like there are moments that the Nova Nation can be good. We're just not consistently good at all. Yeah. We know when like we tend to sense when the big moment is and when we need like the most like we need a big like. Let's go Nova chant in like MSG at the yeah. Big East tournament, etc. But it's just like it, sometimes those pavilion games you're watching on TV, you look like you're watching a game in a morgue. Yeah, that's what I felt like. I was I was actually sat there. I was actually embarrassed. Right. Like I felt bad that Phil and Eric are busting their ass out there, and they're probably like, "Why is there not like we're making this amazing?" I doubt play. that they're thinking that. I doubt that they are, but. I get your point. But but the difference is, they're not thinking it, but they I'm sure they also hear when the crowd goes nuts. Yes. Right? Right. Like, oh, you it's know a confidence when, builder. You feel, you feel good. Like, totally. It, it, it's, a, it's also like, it's also intimidating to the other team. Yeah. It can help put the other team on their ass a little bit more. Totally. In the Providence game today, they were mounting that comeback, and the fans started to get into it, and you feel the weight of the situation increasing and all of that stuff, and you could see our guys getting a little bit sloppier. Yeah. And it was like, it was that helps. That makes a difference. The idea... We saw it in Kansas. Their fans are amazing. Yeah. The idea of home court advantage doesn't exist simply because you're in a different building. Yeah. It exists no. because of the fan base. Correct. Correct. The building can help. There are things that the building that the administrators can do who run the building, who run sure. the production can do to make it more exciting. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the fan base. Yeah. So I'm, put, I'm putting the fans who are there on blast. Final thing. Is it the Finn or is it the Pavilion? It's, a, it's the Pavilion. I'm done with the Finn. No, we're done. No, we're not, fin, calling, it, we're not calling it the Finn. No. We did, we did this naming thing before. It didn't work out in the <laughs> 80s. It hasn't worked out in the start of 18. 2019 is a new year. It's the pavilion. It's the pavilion. Done. I'm done with the fin. No, 100 percent with hey, you. Thank That's you, it. Bill Finnerin, for the for the thing. Yeah, I'm happy to say I'm happy to see it be called Finnerin Pavilion. Yeah. Like you deserve it. Which I will say this. This was a little weird to me. When you walk into the pavilion, they have like a lot of the great moments in Villanova history in these kind of cool displays around the entryway, more or less. There's like a big Bill Finneran thing. I don't know Bill Finneran. I'm sure he's a great guy. It seemed a little weird. Yeah, like, I've I got was... Jenkins shot to my left. I've got Bill Finneran in the center. And then I've got, I don't know, like Scotty like a little further down. I was like, it was pretty why, Well, I don't understand why we need to do like, nah. uh, like look, your name's on the building. Yeah, you, you get you're it. You're not getting an homage no. No, 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 no. To, to, to you. I don't give two shits about If you're about a Bill former Finneran. player yeah. who donated back to the school like that, different story. Absolutely agree. Right? Absolutely agree. If yeah. you want to do a little statue or a little commemoration of someone, put it in Bartley yeah. Hall and say, "Here, let's let's yeah. let's show a showcase on this it's guy who made a fortune in his right. life and like did awesome and now donated back to the school." Fine, do it in there. Don't do it in the basketball arena. It's, it was kind of weird. Right. Yeah. All of that being said, 
I think we've covered the the pavilion commentary. Amen. Yes. Yeah. And I think we got to just do a quick run around at what's coming next. I think so. Yeah. Well, let's keep it short. Yeah. It's, it's actually kind of a big week for us, though. Yeah. Huge week. We're now two and zero in the Big East, so off to the good start that we kind of needed and expected. Yes. <laughs> expected back in October. Yeah. Expected yeah. back in October. <laughs> I thought we were going to go one and one this past week. I am predicting that we're going to go one and one this upcoming week. Which is your one? Make a call. Wait, by the way, for our listeners, we're playing St. John's and we're playing on, Creighton. Yeah, we're playing St. John's on Tuesday and Creighton on Sunday. Yeah. I am going to go with we're actually going to beat St. John's. I do think that being at home will help. Yeah. Even though we're playing at the Pavilion, which hasn't been that helpful this year. I think that our fans will be a little bit more into it. Well, since, we re- since you and I just renamed it, that should help. Yes. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. And... St. John's has come off like a series of exciting games, and I feel like they've had a good little run. It's a ranked team. Uh, sorry, it's not a ranked team, but they're 14-1, and one, and we're thinking that they're going to be ranked. I think they've got a shot. Maybe yeah. 20, maybe high ranking, but yeah. like they're going to be the uh, the ranked team, and we're going to be the un- unranked team. Yeah. It's been a long time since we've been the lower Weird. ranked team Weird. in the pavilion playing a game. Yeah. Um, so... I do think that the guys come out hot. I think they come out with their hair on fire, and I think we're going to look good. And I think it's going to be a game that people are going to point to later on in the season to say, oh, it was one of their good wins that's going to get them into like a okay, that's going to get us an okay seed in the tournament. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that's where it is. And then I think the win streak ends at Creighton in Omaha. Creighton has been shaky. They're not as good as they have been in the past. They're off to a rough start. Um, yeah, 10 and 5. In the Big East, they got like blown that. out by Butler today. Yeah. Um, but Greg McDermott's a hell of a coach. Good coach. Look, the that place Yale is, is tough to play. The place is impossible to play in. And Villanova's still on the front of the jerseys, and Creighton's going to look for blood. Yeah. So I think that we're going to, to lose there. Ken Palm, I just checked, has us actually as six-point favorites over St. John's and one-point dogs at Creighton. So I'm in line, sort of speak. Yeah, yeah. Neither game is – that doesn't mean make a big differential in Ken Palm world, but – that's what I think we're going to wind up at. Yeah. I think I totally agree with you in terms of the prediction. The big thing for the St. John's game, they're a good team. They've got some great players. Yeah, great backcourt. Great backcourt. That, to me, is is kind of similar to what we saw in the Kansas game, right? Kansas had Vic and Lawson, and it was like, look, Vic and Lawson are going to get their points. Right. Period. You try to hope to limit them a little bit, and they don't drop 40 on you. But then you got to make sure that you clamp down on everybody else, which we broadly did, right? If it's kind of similar with St. John's, you've got Heron and you've got Pons, who are their primary guys. They're gonna get their points. Pons demolished us last year. He's probably gonna do the same. He's probably gonna get thirty, at least on us. Yeah. And and Heron's gonna get a bunch too. So. Those guys are going to get their buckets. It's what you can do with the rest of the guys, and will we have? A, will our offense show up to have enough firepower to counteract what we're seeing from those two guys? Yeah. But I, I think I'm optimistic we can pull it out. And it's also a payback game for us. They beat mm. us at home last year. Mm. So we have a little bit of payback. There's a little bit of payback element yeah. to this game. Um, granted, it's a different team, but... I think that, that that element's going to be there. Yeah. So I actually see us getting past St. John's. And then that'll lead to the conversation of, okay, is Villanova actually the best team in the Big East? And blah, right. blah, blah, whatever. Which leads me 
to the one point I want to make about the Big East before we kind of close this out. Yeah. Big East is a fucking disaster this year. Not like a dumpster fire like we thought it yeah, was going to yeah. be. They've actually it's actually proven itself to be uh, better than we thought. Kind of a early. fun disaster. It's been a fun disaster. Yeah. Every game in the Big East could go any way. Yeah. There are probably four teams, and I'll name them, Seton Hall, Villanova, St. John's, and Marquette are probably the four teams that of that bunch, at least I imagine that those teams will be in the top five, six of, of the conference this year. But there is no bottom to this conference. Yeah. DePaul is right now looking like the worst, but DePaul is not DePaul. Right. So uh, you posed the question to me earlier today. You said, hey, here's a challenge. Name the worst team in the Big East. And historically, you just be, it's DePaul. Or Georgetown. Or Georgetown. Right. <laughs> so good. This year, you know, I want to say, oh, it's DePaul. But I, I can't say that with confidence. Like, they're a different team than years prior. So to your point, I think it's spot on. It's going to be a fun few months in the Big East. It's going to be an absolute mess to see what comes out of it. And I don't know how many teams we're going to end up with in the tournament, but it'll be interesting. Uh, the over-under, what did you put in the over-under? Three and a half? Four my, and a half? I think my over-under at the beginning of the year was three and a half when we were in dumpster and fire I mode. I said four and a half. I think I'm going to stick with three and a half as my over-under. I don't think I'm so. I'm taking the money. I don't think if so. You guys, I think, I think if you guys want the bet, you can just DM us. I think we'll, it actually. Uh, I think it's going to be more like we're going to get five or six teams in. I think we'll. Uh, you know. I think the four teams I just said are going to get in, and then I think it's a matter of does Providence or Georgetown or Creighton or Butler show out enough to make another bid? Yeah. Well, you know what we'll have to do is we'll have to set up our own online gambling website. Yeah. And then we'll send out the link. It'll be totally illegal, but everybody can go on there and place their bets. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely going to happen for right. sure. <laughs> so with that being said. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, let's close it off. Yeah, we'll close it we'll off. We'll be chatting for a while. We'll be back in full force in a week. Probably right. Yeah. And so we'll catch up after the Creighton game. I want to thank everyone for listening. Quick shout out. Go check out last week's podcast, the interview with JD. It was a long one. If you haven't finished it, please go and finish it because I'm telling you the second half of the podcast where we just broke down to JD's Life and it was super interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. So, okay, that's the last thing I want to say. Thanks for listening. And as always, let's, let's go, go Nova. Nova.